it's Larry. It's Larry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. And today's topic is sadness. Oh. I don't know. I feel like that was a very creepy sadness from you. Ooh. It's a haunting sensation. <laughs> 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 yeah, today's uh, that's correct. Today's topic is yeah. uh, is sadness. Is sadness. I just suggested it to you earlier today. Yep. Uh, and I suggested it to you because I just had this thought where I was like, today I was like, I am so fucking sick of being sad. Yep, yep, yep. And then when you said this as well, I was ready for it because I was like, oh, the sadness. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it too. I'm and I'm like, I'm sad all the time, all yeah. the time. <clears throat> Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have, I have a very, I have a way of combating the sadness at the moment that is a very elaborate uh, routine of ritual and meditation. Yeah. And if I don't do this, oh, Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I also have this, it's like, I realised that like, after, like when I, uh, like after I was attacked during a pandemic, <clears throat> I was like, Okay, I'm not going to have a Netflix subscription anymore. I'm going to cancel that because looking at screens for too long makes me sad. Mm. And I'm going to get a subscription to the Headspace app with that same money. Yeah. And so I, in the middle of a pandemic, I cut watching Netflix and then started meditating every day. And I still do like al- almost every day meditate. All of these different rituals, I, I, don't, I, try, I try to stay away from my bed during the day as well like there's all these little like rituals that I like put together and so that I feel like okay from day to day and I still feel sad it's so annoying yeah yeah also as well I mean just like today I would not could not be like desubmerged from like my duvet on yeah, my bed right yeah I was like I fell for this yesterday you're not getting me today like no <laughs> like, right it's like yeah I have to say as well I've got such an amazing duvet and a duvet, okay, yeah, no, I know what a duvet is. A duvet, it's different yeah. in every in every English. That that that, uh, that thing has a different word. We call it a duna in Australia. A, a duna, duna, a duna kebab. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what people always say. Yeah, I think like, you've already made that joke on this podcast. Oh my god, potentially, but I think that's like, <laughs> when you're just like wrapped up, I have I have not one but two duvets in my duvet, so it's a double duvet, and uh-huh. one of them I paid for mm. uh, from IKEA, and mm. the other one I manifested. Wow. Yeah. Like from The Secret or... I got one of my punk friends to steal it for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Wow. Yeah. Just like, yeah. And then when you put the two of them together, it, it like with some, also the 50 euro Ikea sheets that I also shoplifted, uh, like, oh, it's just, I mean, it's this, you know, like the, um, the, the big white dragon in like the never ending story. Uh, I vaguely remember it from my traumatic childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were more focused on the drowning horse, right? Uh, I'm, I don't remember seeing that, but I'm definitely vibing the drowning horse. Well, that's quite funny because the horse drowns in a thing called the swamp of sadness. Really? <laughs> yes. Where if wow. you don't think happy thoughts, you start sinking. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So the hero goes forth, but his horse doesn't manage to do it. And then he's like... Because Whoa. the horse... Think, thinks the horse, too sad. The horse thinks too sad. But see, this is like, the swamp of sadness is as unfair as the real world. Because like, you have to be sort of like optimistic and think that everything is better than it actually is in order to not sink. Because I like, like, 
Because I've I've had like uh, <laughs> sorry, hang on, it's actually killing me. This of sadness is as unfair as the real world. Yeah, it will sink into it's the ground. The, it's the same fucking mechanism. You have to be like, you have to be really sort of like, like, like fucking annoyingly happy to the point where it's inappropriate, so that you don't get sucked down by how shit everything actually is. And I, like, I remember this when I like in February this year. I had uh, like a something that approximated a four-year depression lift just in time, Ooh. right? <laughs> to get gay bash during a fucking pandemic. But like, so like it came, I came out of that, um, and I re- I distinctly remembered this thing that was like, um, like when you're really when you're really depressed. It's not like you have this unrealistic view of the world where everything is just terrible. I just feel like when you're not depressed, you're able to look away from how terrible everything is. Because when you are depressed, you you like you're you're affected by it and you get dragged down. And so then, in order to like not be depressed, you have to be living in somehow like a, like a healthy society that like like nurtures your your development and where you don't just get dis- discriminated against just for existing. And it's yeah. like and it's like if you are already happy you are like and if you're already like have all of these privileges or, or of whatever sort then you'd got you're going to be able to think positive thoughts but then if you are struggling and you suffer and then you can't not do that then you get sucked down into the swamp of sadness yeah and there's this the thing, real world is the, the real world is the swamp of sadness yeah and then also there's this thing where it's like oh it doesn't matter where you are in the socioeconomic ladder you still have struggles and you still have problems and all the rich kids like you know like all these rich kids with fucking addiction issues because they just need something for like I don't know character development and uh, or narrative tension but I don't think that's true. I think that there is like a very small minority of people in this world who like control the majority of its resources. And I think it's the same with, uh, with, with happiness. I think they've got it all up. I think they, and they're so, they've got like fountains of happiness that they dip like, like they, they eat like fondue. And so as a result, that's why our world is so like just gray and like loss of saturation is it's just been sucked up with the ample amount of resources. And were we to redistribute these resources, we could redistribute the happiness and then we could all not be so fucking depressed for like having a realistic worldview. This is really interesting. I want to, I want to go into this. Uh, like, I think this is a really yeah. good um, um, uh, place to go into because there is like some research, which I like can't remember, but it was like at a certain point, happiness plateaus mm. that like at a certain point, happiness doesn't make people more <clears> happy. Uh, and it's like, it's yeah. like shortly after like all of our material needs are met. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then Marx also uh, talks about, I can't remember where that like the abolition of, uh, of capitalism would also allow a properly human life, even for the capitalist, because yes. under capitalism, um, <coughs> The capitalist oh. is reduced to the pursuit of like uh, the accumulation of capital and, and the, the pursuit well, of like property, right? Yeah, they're essentially just like a, a bed bug. Yeah, to like the mattress of the proletariat. <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought about it that way before, but sure. Uh, <laughs> and so, but like I, because because the happiness that comes from procure, procuring something easily mm. like uh, like i like once i uh, when i went sober mm. i was i 
realized that I was, I channeled that same sort of like desire for a quick fix into buying exquisite clothing, which is why <laughs> I always say that like the worse I'm doing, the better I look. <laughs> then like you're, you look amazing. It's like, yeah, it's been a rough month. <laughs> but this is like a place that I've like, cause like I want that dopamine fix of like, of buying something. Right. Yeah. And it's, and this can, this is a, a similar mechanism. If, if, if not the same mechanism for something like, uh, uh, like drugs and alcohol yeah. or uh, any other sort of uh, sex or any uh, gambling, yeah. any addict- addictive behavior. Um, and so I consciously channeled that because I was like, I, if I'm like making such an effort to be really healthy about my relationship with like, uh, like with, uh, with, like intoxication, mm. then um, I'm going to redirect that where to um, uh, cl- buying clothes where the hangover or the come down is just that I look great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the exact opposite of what a hangover normally does. Absolutely. And so yeah. um, I, I, I think that people who have access to uh, like all of the resources, who are hoarding all of the resources yeah. in the world, uh, uh, they have uh, an e- almost endless capacity to uh, hit that dopamine button. But I don't mm-hmm. think that that dopamine button is happiness. And I don't mean that in like a like uh, yeah. a, in that like poor people are the most spiritually wealthy among us all. Yeah, but yeah. as in like, but this is a quick fix. So then it leads us to the question: like, what are we talking about when we're talking about happiness? Uh, I think I think we know is the thing that we fucking. And also, this is this episode isn't about happiness; it's about sadness. So we know what it is when we don't have it. <laughs> but um, and I think that I think that but it's worth it is worth doing. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that just because people things cease to work doesn't mean people stop doing them. Example, uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of people, plenty of parties, plenty of times who are not going to get any more uh, of a fix from uh, this line or, you know, this extra dose of G or something like that, but they still will overdose and cause huge amounts of problems for everyone around them. And so just because, uh, like, ultimately, like, a particular celebrity like say a Jeffree Star or Kylie Jenner or something like that is not going to is going to isn't going to be substantially more happy by rote of buying some ostentatious thing they will still do it and they will still own it and they will still hoard it and they will still at the expense of everyone else around them basically mm-hmm. um, I love that your portrait of the bourgeoisie is Jeffree Star or Kylie <laughs> Jenner <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for that view of the world. That's amazing. Yeah, like that's the most yeah. Not like, the Koch brothers, like <laughs> Jeffrey Star. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also as well, Jeffrey Star sucks. I, I Jeffrey Star does suck. Yeah, I supported him in an. I, I was his support act in Melbourne like ten years ago. Oh my god, you supported yeah, Jeffrey Star? I, met, I, met, a, I was paid to support Jeffrey yeah, Star. Yeah, yeah, and I met him backstage, and we had like one opportunity to say something, and all I could think of to say was, "You look really tired." <laughs> He did. He looked exhausted, but I think that's just how he looks. Sorry, also, like yeah, you're Australia, like you are, like that is like the the palace of jet lag. That's true. Except yeah. you know, like to us, the world is the palace of jet lag. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah. um, but I interrupted you. So, like, um, just because they yeah, like, basically it doesn't make them happy doesn't mean they yeah. don't do it. It's also so. I guess that the I mean that we should we should also note that the act of purchase entails interaction. And that itself is like the dopamine rush and mm. sort of dopamine fix. So that itself is like that spark of that high something. And so it's like, but then they will then accumulate this, all these physical things and they won't be, um, they won't be happy. Like it's also that with like social media, like we are basically trained now 
to like the the muscles in our fingers are like trained to continue scrolling basically due to the way that uh the dopamine hits come from social media yeah and um I have to, I, I treat social media now like fast food, which is like, I have to acknowledge and like, I'm like, oh, I'm like savoring all the grease dripping down my face, but I acknowledge that it's a really bad thing for me and I can only do a very small amount of it. Whereas, uh, at a certain time, because it, it actually fundamentally makes me feel used up and exhausted and miserable. Absolutely. Mm. And this, this, um, this book that I, uh, that I lent you the, um, in the realm of the hungry ghosts by Excellent Gabor book. Mate. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's a doctor and an addiction specialist. Um, and it's a really, really good book in terms of understanding addiction of all sorts. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the research that he uh, <clears throat> cites in that uh, book talks about how people who are pre-susceptible uh, pre, uh, to addiction mm. uh, tend to have uh, chronically low dopamine levels. Mm. And so, which, which means that like, and it's like, it's, it's similar with rats. Yeah. Um, people with ADHD <clears throat> have lower dopamine levels. Exactly. He, he also has ADHD oh. and, um, and has written a book about ADHD oh, uh, about as ADHD? well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, he's a really cool guy. Um, and uh, like a lot of the research seems to back up that people who are predis- uh, predisposed to addictive behaviours, mm. uh, what we might like call an addictive personality, are people who have chronically low dopamine levels. Um, and so uh, he also, because he, he gets into like Buddhist stuff as well, yeah. uh, and talks about like talks about it in terms of um, uh, that pleasure is like the refuge sought by someone who has no access to contentment. Oh, wow. And so like, I feel like so much of my life over the last few years has been about trying to build contentment and not in this sort of like, (laughs) like Orientalist white Buddhist sort of way, but just doing like these, these rituals and structures that you talked about and you like, I tried and build them up. But it's really hard to like to like to like to pull yourself out of the sadness when the world is just going to well, shit. It is because I'm still. I basically my my obvious sadness is uh, is contained in last week's episode. So go and listen to that. Uh, and otherwise, you've already listened to it, and therefore you already know. So um, and then I was part of me was like uh, so because I'm so sad, like I was just like, like disrupted my um, sleep cycle. And my I had just got this thing which Olympia recommended to me because it's really good which is waking up at the same time every day mm-hmm. um <laughs> this is one of my rituals yeah yep i just i just had this and it's just completely gone out the window and so the swamp of fucking sadness, the swamp of sadness took it from me because you get you got a little bit sad yeah. and then and then you couldn't have pos- positive enough thoughts to wake up at the same time every day and then you sink further this is re- the real what real life is the swamp of sadness no it's <laughs> the real life is the swamp of sadness i'm going to show you the scene later on and you're going to die yeah like um, is it a fancy horse it's a very beautiful you're going to vibe with the horse because maybe i'm that horse you were completely that horse you yeah. your beautiful long equine features yeah i do kind of have equine features don't no. Yeah, but you, without looking horse-faced, which is like quite the stunt. Yeah, it's the cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the reasons that I enjoy filming this is the, for recording this is the fact that I get to look at your cheekbones the entire time. Actually, we both have really good cheekbones. Oh, thank you. It's interesting that despite having really good cheekbones, you still decided to become good at makeup because I took one look at my cheekbones and was like, I guess that's done. <laughs> I am. Um, and I other people like contouring, and I'm yeah. like, well, why would I don't? I, okay. No. I don't, yeah. I, Contouring, God did that for me. Yeah, because you've got the high, you've got these like uh, like high cheekbones. Mine are more like short, like square and sharp. But like, they're still high. 
They are high. Great cheekbones. Yeah. Gorgeous. Everyone. Basically, How are we yeah. so sad when we have such good cheekbones? Oh, because there's nothing more romantic than sadness. But more and melancholy and like these sorts of things. And you can look really good while you, while you are sad as I well. I feel like I look much better when I'm happy. Yeah, no, me too as well. Like you get this kind of like plump sort of like glow yeah, to exactly. your face. Yeah. It's like you save a fortune on collagen. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, wait, <laughs> where were we? Wait, wait. No, the, the sadness took my getting up oh, time. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. so, you know, early to bed, early to rise, makes you healthy, wealthy and wise. So I brought into the toxic positivity cult notion of that waking up early makes you happy. And I was like, I'm going to get up really early. And um, there's a morning AA meeting, mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that um, starts at eight. And I was, I was late for it. And I got up and then something slightly annoyed me, annoyed me in it. And I left the meeting. I got incredibly angry. I had to go for all, I like, cause I just, I fucking hate mornings. I hate them. And then like this notion of like, that you have to get up there and it's like, you're happy. So the long and the short of it is I went for a walk. I did all these things. I tried to like clear all my energy out. And um, the reality was, is that I just went to Temple Hof. Uh, I climbed a tree and I screamed for 15 minutes solid. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> just, you did this today. I did this yesterday. Wow. I just screamed and screamed. I went out into the middle. I just screamed. And then I was like, yeah, it's just like screaming therapy. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. Like I just screamed. Like, and I was like, close. I had my eyes closed and I was like, I did like some om vibrations first to like basically to looking at the way that if we resonate with our voice and do resonant chanting, we uh, can move energy around our bodies basically. And it's just yeah. good for like clearing ourselves and because we get so stuck in this pandemic it just sat down you know like dealing with things and dealing with lots of different emotional things and lots of very disruptive news and traumatic news about sort of like rising fascism or cancelled gigs and all these things like whilst just (laughs) 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 the the two bad things that are happening rising fascism and cancelled gigs Which one is more frightening? (laughs) Well, one's personal and one's political. (laughs) But both of them, in a certain sense, are political. And both of them, in a sense, are personal. Yeah, and both of them suck. Yeah, both of them fucking suck. Yeah, yeah. I fucking hate fascism. I fucking hate having my gigs cancelled. Yeah! I want to pay my rent and, like, democracy. (laughs) Yeah, I want to pay my rent and democracy. Like, I don't want to... I want to pay my rent and then not walk out of the fucking door that I worked so hard to pay the rent for it to walk into an ethno-state. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fuck that. Fuck that. That's fucked. I, I, like, nah. Yeah, like, see, the two go together like the peanut butter and jelly of hell. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, um, but yeah, I screamed and I was, like, looking behind my eyes and I felt this, like, clarification. I felt the kind of clarification. It was, like, really good. And then, like, I, um, I brought a plant, which was nice. Yeah. I brought, I brought two, I brought that plant and that plant yesterday. Because I was just, like, not having it yesterday. I I know, right? Yeah, isn't that plant like a room candy? Yeah, I was just like, this is like, it's, and also, yeah, I was just like, I'm, I'm, I want to do something impulsive and healthy. <laughs> yeah, we got it, we got it, we got it. I, I wanted to do something impulsive and healthy. Yeah. My one looks like a, my plant looks like incredibly hipster lettuce. Like, uh, yeah, I like yeah, it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just, oh, I wish it, yeah. Yeah. I'm just also a bit like sexually frustrated by this pandemic. Oh my god, don't even start on how sexually frustrated by this pandemic. Like, I've got, like, it's, I bet, I Because one of the things that makes you less sad is just having nice sex. And I just, I don't feel, I don't, I don't, 
I like I don't feel like having random sex t- during the pandemic. Yeah, my problem is is that I was actually writing today in my in my journal in my, one of my elaborate rituals I have to do the morning pages like three pages of longhand notes that it really works. But like uh, I was like I don't know if I've ever like successfully flirted. Like I feel. <laughs> <laughs> like, had a lot of sex, but I feel like with people who decided that they wanted to have sex already, like, I don't know, like... I don't really know how to do... I, I feel like flirting is bad for performers, because it's like, I can flirt with 400 people. You, flirting with one person is quite confusing. No, it is, because the problem is, right, as well, is that flirting with 400 people, you can do that all at the same time. You don't have to address their individual needs, but then... <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I understand 400 people's needs. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. But one person's needs, I, like, no, I understand that too. I just find it very difficult to make myself, uh, like, I just don't know. I feel totally lost with it. And I, yeah. I, I guess it's, I feel even more lost with flirting than I do, than I would if I wasn't a performer. Because I feel like usually in social situations, I really know what I'm doing. And then yeah. so as soon as to be, as, as soon as it comes to like, and I will now initiate the social, like the, the, flirt. Se- the sequence of interactions, which will de- uh, determine how intimate we will be. Yeah. Like, I'm just like. I have no idea because my, my go-to is to just make people laugh and I'm not sure can you yeah. make people can you flirt with people by making them laugh there's definitely a technique to it but the thing is though is that I'm just glad to hear that I, I just it's fucking exhausting like the whole thing like um, and then it's like I think that, uh, yeah you can't there is definitely I have made well the thing is if you want to flirt with me make me laugh yeah, but then I don't think everyone like everyone else. It's sort of kind of I think people that, get intimidated. Yeah, and then it also you can derail things a bit as well. It can de- the humor can derail things and stuff like that as well. Like it's also um, like uh, yeah yeah it can derail things. And then also I mean I did it also I I think that in my head I have like a very specific idea of what flirting is when I said this, mm-hmm. which was kind of like um, uh. You know, like, hey, I see this person. They have no idea who I am. I'm just going to walk up to them and be like, hey, so da 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 or like this. Whereas, like, there's other situations. But the point is, a big part of moving to Berlin is the fact that I could be able to, like, casually go out to an environment that was a sex-focused environment. So I could just do the sex. Scratch that itch. Yeah, I go, oh, my God, that's it. So I could scratch the itch without the fucking flirting. Yeah. And now, ah. Like, yeah, it's so, no, this is a, a nightmare. And then also I was, then also I was kind of feeling very, um, uh, I would just, well, I don't know. It's also sadness and dysphoria as well. You, like, you know, when you're feeling really sad. And then part of me though was kind of a bit like, cause also I was thinking about this and like various identifications and gender affirming activities. And I was like, and I think like, you know, we should remember gender euphoria because I think that no matter how much you do to successfully pass as a woman, there's always going to be one small facet about you that's going to make J.K. Rowling log on. And <laughs> <laughs> all her millions of followers yeah. that she's under attack by you. So you know, This is interesting because I think it's different being trans if you're mm. from the UK than if you're from like Australia, for example. Yeah. Because I don't feel like uh, TERFs are a present 
breathing over my shoulder. I know that they're a really big problem in the UK. Um, <clears throat> they're not as big here. And oh, wait, not it's, as big it's as the dam. <laughs> they thrive. Yeah. Australia's a much more much less humid climate. Yeah, I also think it's just like the, the like the like the total prevalence of this like uh, middle class white feminism that that hasn't uh, like been successfully challenged enough. Like not not for lack of trying, but just hasn't mm. like the challenge to that hasn't reached the mainstream because like black feminists aren't turfs. Yeah. Like, like black feminists have been, and like, uh, like, like, um, Black Lives Matter activists in general. Yeah. Like, uh, like a lot of the really, uh, like, um, uh, public voices, yeah. like, really on board with trans stuff yeah. in a way that, like, the, like you, British feminism just cannot get on board with. Yeah, there's um, there are some, there are some uh, turfy black feminists, but then there's an actual like, so like hashtag not all black feminists. Like, <laughs> there it's are, true. It's but, true. But by but and there's large, more, it's but, done a much better job than... Well, there's um, a debate around it, do you yeah. know what I mean? There's a debate to and within kind of mm. thing where it's seen as this is something that's sort of like flowing as well and then also as well as that then within the Black Lives Matter movement, it's of course, there's like Black Trans Lives Matter and there's a, a, it, yeah. there's a really healthy thing where it's like uh, the British turf uh, ecosystem... <clears throat> is very much ingrained within the establishment. And there's nothing Britain loves more than an establishment. Oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, so the thing a is... Moldy <clears throat> a mouldy establishment. Oh my God, like a mouldy establishment. Ein Insel auf Schimmel. Um, I think that's German for an island of mould. But like... Insel of yeah. Yeah. Insel auf Schimmel, yeah. Yeah, but either way, fuck it. Um, <laughs> but like... Uh, but so a specific... Uh, the worst culprit of all of this is The Guardian. Oh, the Guardian pisses me off so fucking much because it's like you know, like they will come up with. Oh, it's like there will be one article that's like, "This is how you can like grow your backyard uh, weeds extra long, extra long to save the bees," and then the next article will be like a reasoned and measured debate about whether trans people should be slaughtered in the streets. And it's just like. Fuck you, The Guardian. <laughs> Fuck you. Your first article is stupid and your second article is violent. I mean, also as well, like, to be perfectly honest, like, if you're really going to do this, <clears throat> can't you just put a third article in? How to fertilise your garden with trans bodies. <laughs> <laughs> you fuckers. Yeah, we're but, actually, we're, we're recording this on uh, the Transgender Day of Remembrance as well. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad that someone remembered. Yeah. I'm glad one of the two trans people in the room remembered. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Well, but what a good, like, th- well, well, thank God we chose sadness as the yeah, theme. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, the tra- you know, when you go, oh, last year at Trans Day of Remembrance, I was there. They read out all the, they read out the names and then, um, and then a performer came on, uh, Nancy, and sung um, an Anoni song, being like, you are my sister of feminine identity. I just cried. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is also like, uh, there's a function of like collective rituals of, uh, of sadness as well. Because this is also like another mm. thing uh, about sadness for me is that I realised uh, after um, I went through uh, a breakup last year mm. that that if you cry, then you feel better afterwards. And this yeah. isn't mystery. This isn't a mystery to people who can cry uh, easily, but I find it really difficult to cry. And it's <sighs> always such a relief after I cry. And I find that when I meditate, a lot, a lot of the time this year when I've meditated, yeah. halfway through, I just start crying, which is like, wow. tr- yeah, that's what, like, that's what passes for like a treat in 2020. I yeah. get to cry when I'm meditating. <laughs> I get to cry when I'm meditating. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. 2020. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it's really, really hard um, uh, to... Um, 
it's really hard to like do anything about it. Well, no, because this is it. So yesterday I went to my, so I kind of did my, I did my, I, did my, my, I used my screaming tree at Temple Hoff. Mm-hmm. I have a particular tree I like. It's very easy to climb into and then the, the leaves at the moment. <laughs> Those include screaming tree. That's my screaming tree. They need to include that in like the tour, like the tours of Berlin where they go past where <laughs> Michael Jackson held blanket out the window. And yeah. And the Uzen Gloop screaming, screaming tree. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really cute. <laughs> like, like um and then uh I, after that I because I went to go see my AA sponsor and um and they're normally a very no they, they they are a very wonderful like really nice presence it's just that we do a lot of like reading about like the ego and the ego structure and stuff like that as well which like basically um having just woken up not being able to do these rituals going to get this I, I was like just in a good place to then suddenly like, sit in this space and be like very critical of like the way my identity structures focus around the abuse of myself or create problems for myself. And the person to blame for this is myself was just like, oh my God. And um, I just went home and I watched uh, a Studio Ghibli movie to try and cry. What's that? Uh, oh, you, you watched- Grave uh, of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies, yeah. yeah Did so, it work? No, it's not that oh. sad. Oh, it's really sad. No, it's just a story about the working class. Yeah, and also children dying, right? Yeah, but I mean, that story about the working class, that's what happens. Have you read Angela's Ashes? No. So Angela's Ashes... Is, is that like, the one where the child says, baby Jesus, please make it rain potatoes? Something like that, probably. Okay. It was a potato famine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, they live in like filth and dirt and ash, and at one point the house doesn't have like a roof on it and things. And when I was growing up, my mum was like, you should read this book, because if we were growing up in the 40s, this would be our family. <laughs> 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 so I was just like and I think that I actually find that so I grow with the fireflies so it is sad but there's something about it that is like it's a, such a huge it, depiction of a class situation of sadness as well because also there, there's like at the very end there's this really beautiful scene where like all these rich people come back from being evacuated and they come into their house like oh our beautiful house is still here and like it pans from these like bourgeois people down to the this like brother who'd been trying to take care of his sister and her corpse and where he's having to cremate her and just like uh and so it's just an analogy about class so this didn't create Normally, Studio Ghibli movies make me cry because they're so whimsical and poetic that I get so emotionally drawn in that there is this particular poignant moment where suddenly you can just feel like the protagonist's emotions and then you feel it too and you just cry. Whereas with this, it was just such an ontological level of sadness and depression based on like class. It just created like absolutely nothing. This is really interesting because I had, with Glee, I cried every single episode. <laughs> I would cry. I would become you so. You cried every episode of Glee. Yeah, oh. in, the, in the first of the first couple of seasons, that like I, that I cried when they did um, their their version of um, <clears throat> of Friday. Yeah. Song, it's Friday, Friday. <laughs> and I, I was crying. And my friend was like, why are you crying this time? And I just said, they just love having fun so much. Yeah. And I was like, I was I was so moved. And then in, and then Friday, in one, Friday. Gotta, gotta get, get down, down on Friday. Exactly. And, then, and then fun, fun, fun. Yeah. And I was just weeping. I was so affected. And then one of the characters dies. Um, and my friend still tells this story that finally one of the characters died after me like crying at every stupid thing in this series for like for years and one of them died and then she looked over and I was like I was like like 
uh, like sprint eating this bowl of ice cream because <laughs> I, I, I love ice cream <laughs> and she looked over and I had this giant bowl of ice cream and I was just going like oh <laughs> like not sorry at all eyes glued to the screen like not a tear to be seen because no. I was like it didn't make me sad because like objectively sad things in uh, in uh, like in, in that entertainment it didn't like it, it had to be this like really sort of like sublime moment of like like reaching somewhere beautiful and maybe it was the glimpse of something that wasn't sad that was the thing that made me so sad yeah <laughs> because you have to look away from the screen and look around and see where you are yeah what wait wait what how do you mean sorry well, it, like it, with Friday, yeah. like I was crying because yeah. it was like looking at like at people who were having such a nice oh, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had to look at them and then look into the mirror and then look at them and look into the mirror and look at them and I was just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the cast of Glee singing Friday. Yeah, no, totally right. I think that's it. And I think, but then also as well, is that then it's mixed with the happiness sort of for them, but it's not yours. But it's just like, ah, oh, this, yeah, this really, I think because crying is, well, we also cry when we're happy happy as well yes so i think the crying is not an indicator of sadness but the indicator of another emotion this is uh, a friend of mine uh told me about this because they um i had a panic attack at mm. the um at the what's it called um at the uh bauhaus baumarkt yeah hardware store yeah. um and uh and I had a panic attack. We got back to their house and then I just started crying and crying and crying. And then afterwards they were telling me uh, that like, if there's something like there's five emotions uh, and then feelings are our interpretation of emotions mm-hmm. and the emotions are something like, or maybe it's the other way around. I thought that feelings because it comes from like the Germanic would be like the, like the, the more I, anyway, um, oh, emotion. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, there's like, happiness sadness fear disgust and like some other ones but those are the ones i spend most of my time with <laughs> yeah there's other ones. happiness and, sadness fear and disgust yeah and then and like and they said that the reason and whereas feelings would be uh like uh melancholia yeah something yeah something like this mm. or like yeah like other like less sort of basic uh, states ones that might be combinations of them and stuff like that um, and the reason that these are uh, f- uh, emotions rather than feelings is that you can cry from every one of these ah. oh, and anger anger was another one um, okay and that like when you cry it's bringing uh, your um, bodily and mental state into um, into coherence uh, in, into coherence like into interconnection yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so this is why it feels so good because it's you feel agitated and disconnected and and, blah, blah. and so when you cry it brings it all together yeah. and then you're you're feeling more integrated i actually saw yeah this is really interesting because i saw like so there was some like some uh, hippy dippy shit that i was like looking at or something and but they had this really interesting point you know to like kind of understand the different points of view that are out there and stuff about one of them talked about health it was like to do with heart health but it was basically about the principle of coherence as a medical principle. And basically because we, and this really made a lot of sense, or it's really interesting to explore because we have so many different interconnected biorhythms and that medicine, for example, like a pill will focus at addressing an imbalance in one of those cycles. Say you, uh, an antidepressant for your serotonin, for example. So 
but then, of course, that you know, another side effect of, ter- of these uh, antidepressants is they make you put on weight, say, which can then also be problematic in another sense, because it's a very narrow, a very surgical approach towards mm-hmm. uh, health in that sense. It's not, uh, it can also, there can be so many other problems and side effects and things. Whereas if you think about coherence, and we can think actually about getting the body's multiple systems uh, working together, then this is a way of reducing things like strokes, heart attacks, like this sort of thing as well, and other things. So it's interesting that, and it makes complete sense that crying would be this moment of coherence, mm. which I'm well, fucking is, lacking. <laughs> well, this is also what it feels like as well, to like, to, like, to create or to, like somehow achieve like a more like a healthier state like healthy with my fingers going like yeah, quotation marks wibbly fingers um, is that it feels like being more uh, integrated mm-hmm. like uh, whether this is uh, through doing something like uh, psychotherapy or uh, like uh, physical exercise or mm-hmm. like like a lot of these things they make you feel more like 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 you're connected to different parts of yourself that felt disconnected. Yeah, which is it's quite interesting actually as well because with the with this process of uh, with my father dying uh, uh, earlier this week and um, it's sort of like plumbing all this ego stuff as well. There's these there's a really interesting book called Anti Oedipus. Yeah. By Deleuze and Guattari, which yeah, there's a lot of really hot, socially awkward, but always heterosexual men who are really into this book at, at when I was doing my bachelor. Why is it that mostly straight men like this book? Um, oh, because it's really techy. It's like really technical in it and stuff like that as well. A queer person recommended it to me, but also they said it's really weird and artistic. And apparently the two, I don't know if the two Deleuze or Did Guattari, you say artistic or narcissistic? Artistic. Yeah. And then, but I don't know if the two, apparently the two uh, philosophers, like psychiatrist philosophers, Deleuze and Guattari sort of became each other in the process of writing this as well. They so like, they're like the, the Lady Jane and Genesis PRH of, uh, of, of 100% like, yes. French, French post-structuralist philosophy. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That is exactly the vibe. Totally. And it's really interesting because they basically as well, they talk about, and they, they actually have like a psychiatry uh, hospital. They've, like, they've founded numerous psychiatry hospitals. Yeah, they are psychiatrists, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I know a friend who was treated at one of them. And oh, you stuff. have a friend who was? Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, are they? Yeah. Does Pretty good. Work? Does yeah. the system work? The system, the system works. The system works. And what they do basically is they use... Uh, they go for a schizoanalysis as opposed to psychoanalysis. Yeah. Is that thing. Or what they do as well is that they find that... They, they basically juxtaposition... Um, sort of like the idea of the schizo's walk uh with the with the with freud's notion of like the neurotic on the couch yeah and that like typical psychoanalysis and the way that we think about identity is really based on this idea of someone being on the couch and it always comes back to the idea of the mother and the father mm. somehow which comes back to oedipus and what and it's a really it's a, whereas like the schizo makes walk, a lot more sense if you have both huh? <laughs> yeah right totally <laughs> So it's like, let's work through your, your, these issues with your father. Like, what father? What father? Where? Like, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Actually, I, I, I want to just... Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Yeah. But like, so I have this other father, the, like yeah. the, the living father that I uh, mentioned briefly last week. And he's really funny. Yeah. And I was talking with my mum yesterday about being sad. And yeah. I was just like, oh, it's so fucking annoying. It's just like, oh. Like, I'm just feeling frustrated with it. And then she said, yeah, but you know what? You're going to get through it because this is your superpower. You do, you just get, you get through things. And then my dad, my dad said over her shoulder, cause like we were Skyping, just goes, yeah, just like my superpower's fishing. (laughs) (laughs) 
good. I, I just lost it. <laughs> it's really funny. You're going to save the world right now. I'm going to get my rod out. And you're not going to know what's hit you. <laughs> I saw a meme that it was like, there was like the, the world on fire and then someone yelling at like, someone yelling, does anybody need any burlesque? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Okay. That's Deleuze, pretty good. The Deleuze Sorry. Um, oh, no. Anti-Oedipus, was it? Anti-Oedipus, yeah. yeah. but uh, no, uh, Anti-Oedipus, but they are... <laughs> but no, is it, I think this idea, they talk about the idea of like the, a far more joyful approach and an abundant mm-hmm. approach mm-hmm. and a rather, a more of an approach that's integrated into our flaming world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and they use the model of the schizo's, uh, the schizo's walk and it relates to... What is the schizo's walk? The schizo's walk is that basically like the idea of instead of being like, um, instead of being like stuck on the couch and sort of like going through, oh mm-hmm. yeah, this is it, this is, this is what you like. Rather than stuck on the couch and regressing into like these various things that happen to you, the Oedipus complex fundamentally is based on the idea of blaming the child for the parent's actions. Mm-hmm. And that then basically that you in, uh, absorb your parent's actions as some, or that produce a fact, oh, this is it. Because basically the idea that the child is going to stick like, like, oh yeah, kill the father and steal the mother from it mm. is fundamentally the father's idea. Well, it wasn't my father's idea. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he can only have that idea if you don't do the job properly. Tony, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, you're going to take it from me. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect crime. Perfect crime. <laughs> it was me. It was me. You're the anti-Oedipus. Olympia Bukakis in the attic with a... with a. Oh, I'm not going to make that joke. Wait. No, go and do it. I can't. What? Oh yeah, the carcass in the attic with that. <laughs> Just like this tiny demonic baby being yeah. like, you don't need, yeah, the baby doesn't have enough muscle mass, but you don't need much muscle mass to operate a syringe. <laughs> oh, my oh my God, I'm not sure I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> but also, if someone claims, okay, this baby killed its father, like people are going to respond with, the baby doesn't have mu- much muscle mass. <laughs> That's not what people say when people accuse babies of murder. <laughs> Imagine, wouldn't that be the gag of the season if it turned out that it was me? It was you. It was you. It was me. It would be. I'm going to say gag of the century. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, but then, yeah, what did this when Maggie killed Mr. Shot Mr. Burns? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm the Maggie Maggie Simpson of drag. I'm into it. Yeah. Oh yeah, holding the parental revolver. Yeah. Wow. That's literally your stand-up routine about your dead dad. It's me holding the revolver. The parental revolver. Parental. Yeah, parental revolver. Yeah. Because rather than like saying stealing like the parent's gun, you're actually just using, you're shooting the idea of your parents out across people and killing them. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so, and so, okay. Because, you know, I also, there, there was another model mm. um, of emotion that I um, oh, yeah. came across, um, which was, uh, there's this psychologist or whatever, knowledge haver mm. called Lisa Feldman Barrett. Who has this? I didn't finish the article because I didn't like the idea. Made a um, name Simpson, <coughs> right? Right. Um, she said that um, that like how we understand emotion is uh, culturally contingent. Mm. That actually, that like for example, in German, there's no word for anxiety. 
which doesn't make so much sense when you consider Germany. Yeah, no, totally. Right. It's like, and it's like, I have a couple of German friends. It's just like, oh my God, I was lost before I had this word. Yeah, it was like, oh, I have anxiety. Because <laughs> it's like, you have like Ängstlichkeit, which is like fearfulness. Um, but there's no direct translation for anxiety, which like, um, or Angstzustand, which is like a, like a general state of fear. I also um, heard as well, there's no actual direct translation for the word happiness either as well. Gluck. Gluck. Yeah. Yeah, Gluck is like happiness and then also luck, depending on how uh, you yeah, use so you it. Ah, yeah, so you say like, over happy. Glücklich. Glücklich. Yeah. So you say, ich hab Gluck. So now this is a German lesson. Ich yeah. hab Gluck, which means I'm lucky. Yeah. And then you say, ich, uh, ich bin glücklich. Or, or, yeah. Like, ich bin froh. It's like, I'm Yeah, but no, I love the, yeah, but it's also the, the word happiness is, is with the word luck, which also kind of etymologically implies that this is a fleeting state that you are fortunate to have rather than a simple fact of life you are entitled to. Yeah, but then do, are we entitled to happiness? I would just like more breaks in the sadness. Yeah, I more breaks in the sadness. Because I, I, I think yeah. that there's, a, there's, a, like, there's, there's definitely something to be gained from sadness. And also like, the, it's a, it's a, maybe it's a cliche, but the depressive state, it's like you do actually look things in like you I feel like when I'm in a depression I look around and I see things exactly as they are and that mm. can be a very useful state yes it can be a very useful state and I also think as well but it's it's that but it would be best if it's a sometimes food if it's a some, yeah, sometimes food. you know like not not like an everyday food just a sometimes food yeah I also think as well but it's a bit just in the same way as uh, emotions are culturally contingent or culturally constructed like the how they are, uh, so is our sense of reality. So seeing things... Well, the thing is, right, is as soon as we believe that we are seeing things exactly as they are, we're uh, more deeper than ever into the realm of ideology. This is Zizek, right? This is... This is a, yes, this is a Zizek term. I've never read this, but I also like I I remember this one line. No, yeah, okay. So what it is, right, is that because our our world is ideologically constructed, kind Mm -hmm. of thing as to what is and is not. um, Except for mine, which is true. Yeah, (laughs) sorry, except except for yours, Olympia. Um, Thank you. uh, You must humour the deluded. No, wait, what is it? Uh, but he also, he also says a, uh, another thing about happiness, which he says that basically that happiness is not actually a a useful, uh, not actually mm, a useful criteria. No, what he's saying basically is that trying to be happy all the time or being happy consistently is actually just like terrible. Like when you're doing like a really big piece of work, when you're writing a master's, when you're like accomplishing something, like are you happy? No, but are you glad that you're doing this work? And do you feel uh, an excitement and content and fulfillment from doing that? Like, yes, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So happiness as a as this categorical where I just want to be happy is just uh, trash, he says, basically. <clears throat> no, absolutely. And also like wanting to be happy all the time. This is a, like a pretty good description of the, the state of the addict. Yeah. That it's not because it's like it's like just seeking out the pleasure because the contentment, uh, like the base level contentment isn't there. And a base level of mm. contentment can make you resilient enough to be able to cope happiness and sad like these swings. Well, but this this Lisa yeah. Gadman Barrett woman, um, mm. <clears throat> uh, scientist. Um, so woman. <laughs> <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> she uh, said that she, it's more accurate to measure emotion along two scales of arousal to high or low arousal mm. and uh, pleasant or unpleasantness. Um, so like, high... I know which end I want my like pointer to be pointing. <laughs> oh, those but are like, all times. It's, it's, 
Like, it's just interesting because, like, maybe maybe this framework offers... Imagine, like, a, one of those four-way meme graphs as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Just be like, pleasure, arousal. Yeah, like, this, you could, like, shit, like, I think this is her model, that you can put all of the different emotions of different cultures, like, all mm. on this map, which is, a danger, I think, a dangerous exercise. Because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. actually something really to be gained in, like... Um, like uh, putting the contingent uh, definitions of all of these things in conversation well, with each other. This is just how we again is that is that it's a more neutral system than ever, and it's yeah. therefore a more ideological one as well. Yeah, this exactly. Because yeah. it it moves us immediately into a Cartesian notion of the self, which is I think therefore I am, mm-hmm. because Descartes came up with the Cartesian coordinate system, which is precisely this this mode of the x and y axis mm-hmm. it's the cartesian coordinate system yeah. and descartes did he come up with that yeah he did i fucking hated learning about that in school <laughs> yeah yet another reason that descartes douchebag descartes <laughs> fucking douchebag i fucking double hate, d i fucking hate maths and i hated learning that like all of these things about the axis it just like it was annoying and yeah. and he's wrong about the dualism thing yeah, yeah, it's a dualism. It's like it was rationality. Yeah, and he basically came up with the Cartesian coordinate system, and then felt that rationality could sort of like explain any sort of phenomena. And then from that, if you think that he basically takes, he creates two axiomatics. I think, therefore, I am. So therefore, like thinking is a constitu- constituent of being, or thinking yeah. is the the x-axis to the being of the y-axis. Um, but complete. And the the joke is, he really put Descartes before Dehorse. <laughs> That's a good, uh, there's a good uh, Instagram meme account with uh, philosophy memes, Descartes before the horse. Oh my God, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's that? not good. Yeah. It just is. Well, it's also, what's kind of interesting as well is that um, it just is. It just is. Yeah, it yeah. just is. So it must be thinking at least. I know, yeah, it's quite a philosophical, it's a philosophical account. <laughs> uh, but what's interesting as well is that Zizek is a pessimist. Mm-hmm. But he also referenced someone called uh, Alan Badeau. Mm-hmm. who came up with, who, like, rehabilitated the communist hypothesis. It's really great. And Zizek, uh, like, goes on many times about happiness and saying how, ah, oh, no, we, we shouldn't be happy. But then um, Alan Badeau talks about uh, happiness, and he says that the fundamental way to just change the world is to just be happy. Which, <laughs> you're looking very disgusted there. But I think that then he talks about this. He, he actually explains it in a very, it's on YouTube, uh, that, which is code for, I can't be bothered, I don't quite remember it all. But like, he talks about this, but he talks basically about, in, but he's talking about accessing just a fundamental level of like contentment. Mm-hmm. And that one can, it's also as well, is that then within content, it's otherwise as well that within contentment, we can also find a way of continuing to, work towards change without being disheartened by the lack of results immediately as well. You know, this is something that I've, I've realised as well. Over the summer, I've been more involved in going to demos and stuff um, <clears throat> than I have been for quite some time. And... Um, excuse me. Um, and I found that just going to this stuff did make me less sad. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I think it's also this thing, I think about this in terms of um, uh, communism, mm-hmm. um, that like, one of the things that people worry about with communism is that it would like create this sort of like grey uniform, like uh, dystopia uh, where everyone like is suffering through lack, you know, and like the yeah. decline of the Soviet uh, Union. Um, 
And like one of the really big arguments to be made for this is that like, sure, maybe you wouldn't have this like uh, continuous like do uh, like dopamine, like uh, pressing the button uh, through like choosing between, you know, 120 different kinds of like in Germany, fucking paprika flavored chips. Oh my God. Or like, yeah, like 20 different kinds of toothpaste. What possesses um, anyone to flavor a chip with paprika? Well, it's like, this is so like the flavoring of chips in Germany is a good, uh, it's a good, uh, like analogy or like portrait of, uh, of capitalism because mm. it gives you this endless variety of the same kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and so then if you have like a communist system where people's basic needs are taken care of mm. and it's, in, it's ensured that people will have a future that like, mm -hmm. like, like that climate change, uh, would be, uh, like, um, uh, managed, mm -hmm. um, then um, like people have this base level of contentment, which makes life more worth living. Yeah. And so maybe you don't have this continuous ecstasy of like Beyonce, uh, like dance routines. I, like I, th I, th I see Beyonce dance routines as like, because they're so transcendent to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> and she's so brilliant. She's so excellent. And it's just incredible to see so many resources put together so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it gives yeah. you this, it's like main lines, like capitalist joy, right, like right into yeah. your veins. Um, and this is like no no judgment of her. She's just fucking amazing. But yeah. increasingly, this is the pop culture that we're getting, and like all that like K-pop, which is just like incredibly, incredibly well done. It <laughs> feels like drugs to watch. Yeah. Um, and like, um, and so like this, we're getting this incredibly done, like well done, like pleasure, uh, like pleasure hits all the time. Mm. And then like like it's difficult to pay rent and the world's ending and yeah. it's like so like in, in a, like a communist and system like the, the, in a communist system Beyonce and all these really talented K-pop musicians would just get a, a bit of a fucking break yeah. like some time for themselves less hectic dance routines yeah. and like more livable lives yeah like also for the artists and yeah. so this is and so like uh, swapping out this like rampant pleasure economy of capitalism for something which gives us a bit of contentment, a time to fucking take a break, yeah, um, would be just like I think such a good idea. Absolutely fucking amazing. I believe we should go toward that gay communism. Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I also think as well, it's just like this whole idea of like a lot of these things, like there's a lot of sentiment for, you know what as well? Like I'm just sick and tired of people who like are, like have the sentiment for this, but aren't willing to get their hands dirty. Like the people who are saying save the bees. What? The people who are saying save the bees. Like I feel, you know, like this idea of save the bees. It's like we need to be living in a less industrialized, more like relaxed mode of thing where we like have these things because also because the poor bees are going to die. I want to see those people take on like bee-shaped armor and kill the bourgeoisie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that we can like be in solidarity with them so that we can also work with these people to like and create some kind of like cross-pollination of solidarity. Oh my God, I'm mixing metaphors now. Like, <laughs> yeah, like we that. need to like, it's I like also, like, I feel that it's a lot of like things within the sustainability and like the wellness community and stuff like that are trying to go for these things, are trying to articulate these things, but then are not, but also at the same time are completely like uh, averse to any sort of notion of political or structural change. And that really grinds my gears. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, it's, it's, um, it's the, the liberal middle class. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the like, little class is slowly moving in. And so, like, the what? Ah, I'm fucking. I'm, it all comes back to turfs. <laughs> it all comes back to turfs. I don't think it has to all come back to turfs. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm less sad now. I'm less sad too. 
But also, like, we're, uh, after this, we're going to go buy, like, skincare. Ah, oh, see, this is the thing. Because I found out that, like, uh, so a lot of skincare products that I thought were for, um, just for acne, mm. um, are also useful for people with seborrheic dermatitis and rosacea. And I have both. Uh, yeah. Like, I have seborrheic dermatitis and rosacea. Mm. Um, and I've just started using tretinoin. Um, yeah. This is like a kind of vitamin A, which can irritate the skin, but it makes you look young forever. Oh my God, what? <laughs> and so um, I'm really, I, that, that, uh, actually, I, skincare, I'm really into skincare because it is a really complex ritual. It can be as complex yeah. or as simple as you want it to be, which does actually help, uh, like, uh, stave off a bit of sadness. Yep, and I've also felt 100% better about myself since you, like, rubbed some, even a slight amount of moisturizer on me, like, last week. It's, yeah, like, still going. Is great. Yeah, this is great. I know totally. Of course, after the revolution, there will only be one kind, but it will work for everyone, so that's fine. Yeah, perfectly. I mean, and it will be said of Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, all hail the glorious new reign of Cetaphil. It's just so good. <laughs> I am definitely less sad, far more optimistic, and I feel like some kind of utopian trajectory is finally forming. So we started with sadness. Yeah. And we kind of just ended in the same place we all always do which is just the need for revolution yes okay (laughs) yeah yeah well i think as you as you said uh a couple of episodes ago fair point well made (laughs) (laughs) it's been it's been surprisingly a pleasure to chat with you about sadness oozing gloop i there's not anyone i would rather be talking about sadness with than you than you Thank you very much for joining us, uh, dear listeners. We will be back uh, next week with another episode. I would like to say hopefully more cheerful, but I don't hope that. Yeah, no, I don't hope for anything anymore except revolution. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>